Welcome to Money Talks, a series where we talk to the financial and business managers that represent professional athletes. Money Talks gives us behind-the-scenes expertise on how athletes can be frugal from the expert's perspective. I'm your host, Amobio Kugo, and this is a series within a Frugal Athlete Podcast Network. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode today. I got a chance to talk to my friend Tiffany Scott, uh, founder of Elite 8 Marketing, uh, it was crazy how we got connected, but uh, um, she's been really cool. Um, she represents a number of clients that I've been able to work with under a frugal athlete. So with that being said, uh, make sure you check out the interview. Um, before we cut to the interview, if you would be so kind to leave a review, subscribe, rate, Do what you got to do. We're trying to grow this platform. We're trying to grow this network. Uh, So thanks. Uh, Hello, Tiffany. Thank you for uh, joining me on a Frugal Athlete podcast. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, So let's just start with uh, you telling me about how you got to where you are now. Hi. Okay. Thank you. Uh, right now, I'm the co-founder and athlete brand manager for Elite Elite Eight Marketing, which is a marketing and branding agency for pro athletes. Um, oddly enough, I actually didn't play any sports growing up. Um, I ran track for like a year, but I wasn't that great at it, only because I was a ballerina for 15 years from the age of three to 18. Um, but when I came to college, I really uh, discovered a passion for the business of sports. I was an econ major in undergrad, so that kind of was what piqued my interest. Um, and based on that interest, I was able to reach out to different sports professionals in the D.C. market uh, just to get a better understanding of the business of sports and kind of see, you know, where my passion aligns. Uh, so when I graduated undergrad, um, I kind of hit a crossroads. I really didn't know what I wanted to do within sports. Um, I thought I wanted to be a sports agent working exclusively with NFL athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, in talking to a lot of my mentors that I developed over the, the course of me really, you know, being in the business of sports, I realized that that necessarily wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, So I decided to intern for um, London Fletcher's uh, foundation based in DC So I did that right after undergrad. Um, And then after I did that for about a year, I decided to go back to school to GW to get my MBA in marketing. Okay. Um, So I did that. Um, I transferred from the in-classroom program to the online uh, program. Um, I then took a internship in Chicago at a sports agency where I worked exclusively with MLB athletes and helping um, market them. That was kind of my first experience with athlete marketing and branding. Um, I found that that was more of my passion. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed, you know, taking some of the uh, marketing strategies and practices I was learning in my MBA program and applying them at my internship. Um, So there in Chicago, I decided to then apply for jobs with different teams. Um, I was very lucky and fortunate to have gotten a job with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I was up in Minnesota for about two years, probably the best sports experience I had. Uh, despite the cold weather, I learned an immense 
about just the business of sports <laughs> from um yeah it's freezing up in minnesota yeah, it's <laughs> like, so it, cold. it is so cold in minnesota <laughs> like i don't think people understand it my first year i was there was my birthday my birthday's at the end of february i'll never forget it was like below 15 and my friends they were like come on just go out it's your birthday let's celebrate but i really didn't want to and i remember the next morning i was still freezing from going out the night before i called my mom and i'm like mom you have to come up to Minnesota and move me. I cannot stay here. Like, this is insane. Um, so, yeah, the cold weather and I just didn't didn't mix. But it was worth, you know, the experience of working for such a great franchise like the Minnesota Vikings. Um, just from, like, a professional standpoint, again, I learned so much on the business side of sports, um, both from, like, a corporate sales perspective as well as, like, fan engagement and then also how, like, corporate sponsors um, engage athletes um, as endorsers. Great opportunity, made a ton of friends. Still, a lot of my friends are there. Shout out to to Emily Rooney and KZ and all of my homies up there. Um, but it just, oh, yeah, it was just a lot. Like it was just, it was too cold. I was really away from family. Um, different time zone. Most of my family's in the East Coast, so I decided to move back to DC. And then I also too, I know when I was with the Vikings, I wanted to start my own venture. And I kind of figured by staying with the Vikings, I wasn't really going to push myself to do that. Um, I was really comfortable there. I loved it. It was plenty of perks. Um, I met Adrian Peterson my second day of work. So, like, it's just different things like that. You're right. It was just stuff like that was just keeping me, you know, in the organization. We got to go to London for free when uh, we played the Steelers back in 2013. Um, So, a a lot of perks. But, again, I really wanted to, you know, develop something myself. So, I moved back to D.C. And about a year after I moved back, I finally decided to take the plunge and and start the marketing agency. Um, I had a one-page business plan. I didn't really go too in-depth about, you know, building out a strategy or anything like that. I really wanted to kind of learn as I went. Um, Obviously, before starting the agency, I was able to talk to a lot of, you know, major players within the athlete representation space just Mm -hmm. to see, like, where some of those gaps were in terms of marketing and branding. Um, at this point, I've had, you know, mentors that I've been in communication with and, you know, relied on for like five plus years at that point. So I really leaned on them to really help guide the direction of my agency. So with all that information, I decided to, you know, create Elite 8 Marketing. Um, the name Elite 8, it kind of, I was up at two o'clock in the morning one night and I wanted to kind of have like a cool name. Um I just thought Elite would be cool just because, like, the Elite A in terms of, like, NCAA. And then also, too, I'm the the youngest of eight siblings. Oh, so wow. I, right. So I was kind That's of playing. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I was brand, playing. That's a great brand story. <laughs> right. I was kind of playing homage to my siblings, all of which are older than me. Um, and I would like to say that they're kind of like my, you know, secondary set of parents. Um, they definitely, you know, made me into the woman I am today. So I wanted to pay homage to them. Um. And so, yeah, I just started it. And then I also had a um, mutual friend I had met about, I want to say, I think it's nine years ago at this point, maybe 10. Uh, She went to Temple and we both had mutual friends. I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, So a lot of my friends that I grew up with went to Temple. Uh, We actually met at a conference here in D.C. Um, Her name is Nadia Basket. She is my business partner. And we've kind of been friends ever since. But back when I started the agency about three years ago, um, I knew that she was interested in doing the same thing that I was. Uh, we had the commonality that we both wanted to be agents and neither of us knew any other women that wanted to be in that space. Um, so that's kind of how we derived our bond. Um, and then one day when I finally got all the, you know, legal 
structure of the agency together. I bought the domain. You got a logo and everything. I kind of asked him, like, hey, do you, you want to do this with me? I don't really have a great plan right now, but I feel like if we pull our resources together, our experience together, we can, like, create something great. So I think we officially incorporated August 8th of 2016, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of been a crazy roller coaster ride ever since, but it's been fun nonetheless. No, nah, that's an amazing story. Uh, yeah. Just- uh, talking about your journey from growing up, uh, I'm, I got to give you credit though. Uh, ball- being a ballerina is—I I would consider that. A sport. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you—you ha- you said a lot of things, um, particularly about you know being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. You talked about uh, mentorship, using your network, um, starting kind of from the ground up. Can you talk about how important that is to kind of take a leap of faith and understanding that? You know, you may not have it figured out right now, but because of mentors and uh, experiences, you have you're you're creating the the skill set and tools that you you may need to get to the point where you where you want to be. Yes. So I think that um, they say that, you know, you really start to grow outside of your comfort zone. And I really do believe that. Um, I think that one of the things that kind of prohibited me from starting earlier was I felt like I had to have everything together before I started. And that's just not the case. And speaking to other people and really um, leaning into other entrepreneurs and, and getting their story, no one really has it all figured out. It's just about taking that leap of faith. Now I'm not saying just, just go out there and do it without having any type of preparation, but you're never going to be a hundred percent prepared for owning your own business. Um, it's just something that is just the unknown. For me, though, I'm also glad that I was able to kind of accumulate a lot of mentors along my journey, even when I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Building those relationships were invaluable for me. Um, A lot of my mentors right now have actually presented new business opportunities for us. Um, And then also just helping us like to understand how this, you know, this market works just because we're, you know, we're new entrants in it. So we don't know exactly how all the ins and outs of the athlete representation space being that we're a new business. So just having to rely on them to kind of help mentor us and and build our business, like I said, has been super invaluable. And it's something that I'm excited that we both were able to do over the course of our uh, careers. Oh, that's amazing. And it's a perfect segue because with what you do as athlete uh, representation, you're convincing athletes, you're representing athletes. How important is it to, you know, start now? I know many times athletes want to wait until they get settled, until they sign their second contract, until, you know, they get the big endorsement. But how important is it to start right away when you may not have a business plan ready, when you may just have a one sheet? Um, Can you talk about that from your perspective? Oh, absolutely. I think it's especially important for athletes to kind of leverage this platform because everybody knows about sports. You could be, you know, on a roster one day and gone the next, heaven forbid something happened to you. But I do think that what sports allows, you know, athletes to do is really use that platform to kind of leverage that response, that um, association with the sport and uh, really kind of like develop those relationships based on that, you know, platform. It's, it's going to be a lot easier for you as an athlete to kind of pitch yourself to an organization while you are part of a team rather than, you know, you wait three years removed, three years of you being removed from, you know, that said team. 
So it's all about just kind of like operating in the now and really building that. And you don't necessarily have to go, you know, full throttle with that. You can also, mm-hmm. you know, surround yourself with a great team that's going to help you build that while you are able to then focus on your brand, but also focus on your sport, obviously. But um, surrounding yourself with a great team so that they can help develop that brand. So once you are finished playing, they can kind of give you that brand for you to manage full time. But in those X amount of years you were taking to build that brand, it's already kind of gift wrapped for you. So all you have to do then is just take it and kind of run with it. Yeah, and that, 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 that's a great point, especially um, I just say I'm just coming back to your situation, how you started Elite Eight mm-hmm. and like simply creating the logo, the brand and how it's synonymous with your story. Right. And obviously, with what you do, you're helping athletes kind of find their their stories. Right. So how do you kind of personalize it for them? Because um, you represent um, a whole clientele of different athletes. Right. So you don't want to just pigeonhole them into oh, one bucket. No, absolutely not. So what we do is we really try to get to know our athlete. We try to figure out, you know, what their story is, what their interests are. Um, if there's more of like they're into like ph- philanthropy, it's like what their organization that they want to be aligned with. So, again, just really understanding, you know, who they are as an athlete, but also who they are as a person. And then based on that is really kind of figuring out, um, what strategic direction we want to go in. So developing a holistic, long-term strategic plan um, is something that everybody can kind of get on board with, whether it be their financial advisor, whether it be their agent, whether it be their manager, whether it be their publicist, whomever it is, really developing that holistic strategic brand plan so that everybody's on the same you know, accord. So it's like if your manager comes um, up with an opportunity, he kind of can defer to that brand plan to say like, okay, this will fit within the, the, the brand plan here. So let's, you know, talk more about this opportunity. Um, I think that's super invaluable. Um, just from like a, a brand building perspective is really having like a concrete plan and direction in which you want to go. Because as pro athletes, as you know, you guys are inundated with so many different opportunities. And a lot of times they just aren't a brand fit. Uh, mm-hmm. No matter what the dollar amount may be, it's just not something that you really want to attach your personal brand with because it's not really going to give you long-term return. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, because I, I feel like recently we're starting to see, you know, the athlete manager kind of take charge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost more important than the agent now. Right. And earlier you you talked about how you wanted to be a sports agent. Right. And then you shifted into athlete um athlete representation from the management brand side yes so can you talk about the differences like for like if i'm like a rookie trying to get trying to decide mm-hmm. um obviously you need the agent for the contract right but an agent doesn't handle some of the things that you do actually most of the things right so an agent is really concerned with your relationship with the team your relationship with the general manager um, any contract negotiations any payouts that are associated with your contract whether it be bonuses uh, whether it be escalators, anything like that. So that's really your, your team liaison. Uh, what an athlete marketing manager really is focused on are all the partnerships. It's kind of the the lower dollar amount dealings you have and some of those like non-monetary partnerships and relationships that you have. So they're really focused on literally everything off the field and non-football related where your agent is really focused on anything that has to do with your given sport and that relationship with you and your team or league. It's crazy because I I was recently I I think I recently read an article like on Maverick Carter and mm-hmm. kind of like the, I love math <laughs> yeah the pinnacle of like uh, athlete manager brand manager right 
kind of uh, in this new category. Do you think like the uh, like your space is going to take over um, the the representation category? Um, that's a great question. I don't know if if it's necessarily going to take over or if it's going to take a more prominent role in the athlete representation team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because people are starting to see, look at athletes as like content creators and really understanding the marketing, you know, power that they have that obviously some of these day-to-day partnerships that they're um, managing are going to come to the forefront. But I don't necessarily know if they're going to take more of a role in that team. Because I feel like being an agent is still invaluable. Like I said, there's so many different nuances and so many different things that happen with that relationship that I wasn't even privy to until having mentors that are actual agents that I don't think that one person can really manage all of that. I think it might just be a little bit too much, in my opinion. No, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. And it's just... uh when I, when I talk to other athletes, I think it's, it's so hard getting across their minds that, mm-hmm. you know, it's so important to have a brand manager. Can you talk about, um, I don't even know how to say it because there's just so much money when it comes to brands, no matter what scale, uh, on the, the playing deck as an athlete. Right. Um, can you talk about like how important it is and like the the money that is there for the taking as athletes? It doesn't matter if you're LeBron James, myself, um, players you represent, on, right? Like the high scale, low scale, and talk about that process. Like there's money to be made, and right, I- absolutely. So I think um, players, and I think maybe the younger players are going to start, you know, having that shift just because they grew up in the super social media era. But it's really just thinking athletes need to consider themselves as influencers. Um, Because they are influencers, you know, they already Mm -hmm. have a built in fan base. They've had a built in fan base since they probably were in high school. You know, they have people from their hometown that are interested in them. They have people from whatever college they went to are interested in them. They have people from whatever team, like pro team that they are affiliated with interested in them. So I think it's changing the mindset that you are an influencer and you have this platform and in having this platform, you're able to monetize off of it. And it's just really, you know, sitting down with somebody like a marketer or a manager that is creative enough to strategically develop those um, income revenue streams. Um, So I think, like I said, I think it's just about like changing the mindset and really kind of exposing them to what an influencer actually is. You know, YouTube, I think, for example, if you have content on YouTube, if you have like X amount of subscribers or viewers, you can get a 50-50 split in terms of uh, ad revenue. So you could be a person who, you know, you might be the third, you know, string safety on a given team, but you have 50,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel because you're just really into, I don't know, fishing or something. And you're getting, you know, passive income based on this content that you created that only took you about two weeks to produce. So it's just thinking outside the box and just, again, being very strategic and deliberate with the brand planning. So say, uh, like, uh, this is like a hypothetical situation. Say I'm an athlete. I'm coming to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what's like the quick, like, uh, I don't know, like scouting report on what an athlete should do. He's, he's already in the league. He's been mm-hmm. in the league two, three years. Yep. What are some things I should focus on? What are some things you should, from a, a brand and marketing perspective? Yes. Like you, you mentioned the YouTube channel right. and like create, creating a niche there. Right. Uh, wh- wh- like where should I put my focus on? 
Um, I think you should put your focus on specifically determining what you want your brand to be. Um, whether it is you want to be completely involved in philanthropic endeavors, if you want to be more of a, you know, into fashion, if you want to be into music, whatever it is that you want to be and kind of determine what that is. And then from there, make all of your brand extensions kind of uh, fall in line with that brand. So if you're your social media. So when a brand basically say they're in the market to like recruit new um, endorsers, when they come to your different brand extensions, whether it be your website or your social media channels or your interview you just did with ESPN, they'll kind of understand and know where you fall in the market of athletes, like how you're positioned. Cause you always want to position yourself differently. You always want to mm-hmm. be thinking to yourself, like, how am I different than the person right next to me? Like why would a person or a brand select me over somebody else? So I would do like a, a brand audit in a sense to kind of see like, what am I doing right now that's going well, what's not going well? Um, and what can I really do to kind of amplify my brand? And then when you kind of have an idea of what you want to do, trying to reach out to the right people to to kind of help make that that happen for you or really doing on your own. Because there's a lot of resources out there for athletes to develop their own brands. Um, I know what we do personally at Elite Eight. If we try to empower our athletes, we don't want them to necessarily depend on us we want them to be an active participant and player in growing their brands which i know that a lot of um well the athlete representation market in general they always kind of want players to kind of depend on them for things and that's not something that we necessarily want to do like i said we want to empower our athletes to be an active participant in the brand building so that whenever their playing days are are over and they decide to walk away from the game that they can take that brand with them and they can run with it and monetize off of it and build it even more because now they have time to really focus in on that. No, I really love what you say about empowering the athletes. Um, like, like we, like we talked about earlier, there's like, I don't know what's been the shift or the change of the narrative, but athletes are trying to starting to take advantage of their platform and right. to see, to see the value that they provide, not only on uh, not only on the court or on the field, but outside of that as well. Right. And one of the clients that I've been able, uh, one of the clients that you represent that I've been able to uh, uh, form a relationship with is Kyle Hines. Yep. And it's it it was crazy how we all we all got connected. But uh, uh, to your point, empowering the athletes. You know, he's interested in some of the things that I represent with the frugal athlete. Shameless plug, sorry. Um, <laughs> but can we talk about how that, that relationship formed? And obviously, you as the athlete representation manager, um, this is something that you do um, every day, 24-7. Right. But in terms of uh, how we got connected, I, I would love to uh, share with the audience. Oh, okay. So I, was, I knew that Kyle had moved into uh, like financial planning, being financially literate, um, real estate oh, development. Oh. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, yep. We, we should give backstory to who Kyle is. Oh, yes. Like, I'm sorry. That's my apologies. <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. Well, Kyle Hines, he's a, a nine-year vet. I think about to be 10-year vet with the EuroLeague uh, Moscow. Um, he went to UNC Greensboro for undergrad. Um, he's, he um, had hopes, obviously, as most you know basketball players in the States do, of going to the NBA. But um, after you know going to a couple of camps, um, and tryouts with different NBA teams, he just realized that, you know, maybe going overseas is his best bet. And obviously it worked out for him because he's had a great career. Um, I think he's won three EuroLeague championships. He's been named uh, best defensive player twice. 
Um, he's a really great uh, fan base over there and really had the opportunity to explore, you know, half of the globe being, you know, overseas. Um, so Kyle came to us, my business partner and I, he actually is friends, I believe, with uh, one of my business partner's cousin. Um, they're all both, they're all from the South Jersey, Philadelphia area. Um, and he kind of expressed to him, you know, that he wanted to kind of take, you know, some of his brand equity and try to try to uh, bring it over to the States. Um, so when we first initially met with Kyle, we kind of figured out what he wanted to do, what he was really interested in. Um, and the great thing about Kyle is he wasn't really looking for, you know, endorsement deals or any type of deals that would really yield a lot of money in the States because he knew, you know, where his bread and butter was, it was over in Europe. So what he really wanted to do was just establish his brand name over in the U.S. So we thought the best way to do that was, you know, through content creation partnerships, um, really telling his story of being American overseas. Um, and just really exposing um, American sports fans and basketball fans in general to to what it's like being, you know, away from your family um, and playing overseas for almost a decade. Uh, so I was kind of in the market of, of really trying to find a media outlet, whether that be a podcast or a website or a blog that could really help Kyle hone in on his like writing because he said that he wanted to really develop that. And then he also wanted to do it in the realm of like um, – financial advising, financial literacy, just giving like financial tips overall. Um, I found a frugal athlete actually in a Forbes article, I think that they did about you. And I just thought the idea was really cool, especially because you are a pro athlete. So you kind of understand some of the nuances when it comes to, to finances and financial planning from an athlete perspective. Um, I really, I don't even remember how I contacted, was it via email? I think I might have yeah, found Yeah, just via you. email. Yeah, I think I found your email. Uh, either on the article or it might have been through LinkedIn. I'm not quite sure, but I kind of just, you know, reached out, told you about Kyle's story, his interest, and really if there was any opportunity to, for him to be like a content co contributor or guest blogger or anything of that nature. And then from there, conversation kind of just developed and Kyle now is a contributor for a figure athlete. Yeah, it was really amazing. I remember when uh, uh, Tiffany first reached out um, and obviously Kyle Hines, uh, Tiffany's being very humble uh, about her and Kyle's accomplishments. Um, and it's interesting because it, it just goes on to speak about the power of networks. Right. And, and, um, Kyle's from uh, the Philadelphia, South Jersey area. Yep. I used to play in Philadelphia. Um, I didn't even can connect with him until I was long gone. But um, being able to connect with him and he, he um, guest contributed a couple blogs on the site. And then some of my old friends in Philly were like, how do you know Kyle? I was like, how do you know Kyle? <laughs> so it just speaks to the, the network mm -hmm. and how small it is as an athlete. Yep. And uh, specifically with Kyle, how you talked about um, he's marketing to Europe where he's, his niche is, his community is. Right. And I think that's a great point that you bring up. You know, sometimes you don't have to market to everybody. No. Your Actually, you shouldn't. Let me, let me reiterate, you should not. Everything is not for everybody. You need to find your niche and just worry about that particular thing. Don't mass market. No mass marketing in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we're going to write that down. No right. mass marketing in 2019. 2019 no. Respect. <laughs> and I. I really like how you guys, like with Kyle, because I, I look to you guys as inspiration, how he started, you know, started writing, then he built the YouTube channel. Yes. Now he's doing, now now he's established himself in Europe. Yes. Now he's slowly starting to come back in yep. the United States. Mm -hmm. 
one PM thirty seven, yep. doing um the Gillette stuff. Yep. Can you talk about I know you had a whole strategy behind this. I'd I'd love to hear some more about it. Yeah, so like I said, our strategy for him especially, it was just about really forming long term partnerships and again for Kyle specifically, we weren't looking at the big dollar, you know, endorsements. I mean, obviously, they are always welcomed. But our strategy was really to position him as someone who was very, has something, has knowledge and value to give to an audience. Um, and so that could be seen through his partnership with Uninterrupted. He's a contract co- content contributor on uh, LeBron James Uninterrupted. Um, he's a contra- content contributor for a frugal athlete. Um, and based on those um, opportunities, he then released a docu-series called Just a Kid from Sicklerville, uh, which was uh, co-produced by his business partner, uh, Mike Martin. Shout out to Mike. Um, and it's just a, I think it's a six episode series just about how, you know, grueling, you know, playing overseas can be. I think Kyle's only back in the States for two months out of the year. Um, and he has a wife and two very young children. He actually missed the, the birth of his son, Justin. Um, last year because he was over it was during the uh, basketball season so it kind of just takes you through you know all of those different emotions that kind of come with playing overseas just because that's not necessarily something that you know people in the NBA players in the NBA really experience um mm-hmm. so it's just kind of giving you like a a total look at what it is like in the day in the life of a EuroLeague player and then aside from that too and it, I mean not aside from that based on that Kyle was then called upon from the EuroLeague to actually develop a podcast. He just released his podcast last month called The Kyle Zone. Another shameless plug. Make sure you go and listen to that. Um, so it's, yeah, again, make sure you check that out. For sure. <laughs> it's um, just, again, it's just being strategic about what we were really trying to build for Kyle. And, you know, some of it was trial and error. We did a couple of one-up campaigns. We tried a couple of things. It didn't really work. Um, but the things that were most authentic stuck with him. And I think right now, being that we've, you know, been in this partnership for almost two years, we really can concretely say, you know, where we're trying to take Kyle's brand moving forward. And that's really in the content creation space because he has such a great story to tell, being such a decorated athlete overseas, but being an American. And then also, too, I think one of the pillars of his brand, especially for some young players who think it's NBA or bust, it's like you can have a very successful financially successful career playing overseas and getting to the and getting to the NBA is not the the end all be all you can still you know experience life and provide for your family playing the sport that you love just in a different country and then with the proliferation of technology like you're super connected you're never too far you might even be in a position to kind of move your family over there even if even if it be part time so i think that's a, like a huge <clears throat> pillar like I said of his brand that he's trying to expose young athletes to because I know a lot of them you know you don't make it to the NFL or the NBA and it's like you know the world is like over but it's like no there's just so many different opportunities um, for athletes to really kind of maximize on you know the sport that they you know grew up and love outside of just playing in those two leagues Uh, I mean I might have to make sure that gets replayed. <laughs> that, that last minute, it, it's exactly what yeah. we try to preach with the Fool athletes. You know, it doesn't matter. Like you said, you're at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played four years of college. He's playing in probably the second highest rated competitive league in the world. Yes, yep. And even though the NBA didn't work out, he's able to leverage being a professional athlete. Right. Uh, and that actually works better. Better, for him. right. Able, 
he's able to um, connect with you know the European base, right? And, and back home where he's from, exactly. And he's in so, a relatively big market back home. He's a Philadelphia major metropolitan area. I mean, Moscow, Russia, huge. When he was in Athens, huge market. So yeah, he's global. So I think that athletes need to think of themselves as global, especially if they're playing overseas. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just broadens your horizons and broadens the opportunities and experiences you're exposed to. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> on top of what you said earlier, with technology and social media, he has a podcast. Yep. You know, that's not stopping him from going to California or Philadelphia or Moscow. Right. A YouTube channel. Um, these are all different ways athletes can, you know, um, um, brand to the masses. Right. But I want to talk about an earlier point you brought out. Mm-hmm. You guys, you, you said uh, you guys did a couple ca- campaigns that had trial and error. Right. And with the recent uh, situation, Alonzo Ball and Big Ball of Brand. Yeah. Leaving, yeah. Uh, you're a subject matter in this brand uh, space. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on when something goes wrong, wrong. how do you pivot? Um, how do you, uh, you know, stick to your brand without um, without any fallback. I, w- I would love to hear with situations, because every situation is different, but right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how someone should pivot when something goes wrong. Okay, well, I do want to touch on that Lonzo Ball situation, but I'm going to uh, speak to your point really quickly. Um, basically, especially with, with what we do, we are in marketing, and marketing is an art and a science. Um, nothing is going to be exact. You know, you could create, come up with this great strategy, Um, in different tactics and implement it and realize it's not for you. But my motto is, you know, fail, fail often and fail fast. Um, And you're not going to know if something's not going to work or if it is going to work if you don't implement it. So I'm a firm believer of, you know, having a guided, a guide to kind of guide you into something, but at the same time, not being so committed to it that if it fails, everything around it kind of shatters. Let it fail, learn from the failure, you know, tweak some things and then, you know, hit the ground running and go back to um, that new and improved strategy. Okay, that makes sense. And so with Lonzo Ball, um, that particular situation. Yeah. How do you think if you were his representation, how do you how would you alleviate what's going on kind of right now? Um, I think his agent, I think his name is Harrison Gaines. I believe he put out a statement on his Instagram um, saying that, you know, kind of disassociating himself from that individual and saying that um, based on this, you know, unfortunate incident that Lonzo had really empowered him to kind of take a more of a leadership role in Lonzo's career. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's super probably for the best for Lonzo. Um, unfortunately, you know, his dad is not necessarily unfortunately, I won't say unfortunately, his dad, <laughs> right, I won't, I'm not going to say unfortunately, but I will say his dad has been a very active influence in some of the business decision making in Lonzo's life, where I feel like one of the key things with bringing somebody on your team is a, a vetting process. Um, and then you need to vet people because um, I think it was revealed that this person had a criminal record and was just released from jail right before he entered the ball family's life. And this is, this should be something that should have been information to the entire camp um, moving. And I don't think that it was. So it's just very important to really vet the people that are going to be, you know, in your business and handling millions of dollars worth of your funds. Like, you should know, you know what I'm saying? You should just know from a personal, you shouldn't rely on somebody else's vetting process. You should do your own vetting process. But I think this is a, you know, 
a learning um, opportunity for Lonzo to really understand that everybody who appears to be great isn't great. And you really need to do your own due diligence of really vetting people that are in your camp to make sure, you know, that they don't have, you know, criminal history that you're not aware of or that their intentions are really good. And even if you do have people in your circle, you need to get other people to kind of do some checks and balances for the person that you have around them, just to make sure all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. No, I think uh, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head with that. And uh, it's, it's sound advice. And hopefully uh, people can take your words as advice for their own situations yes. if that ever comes across in their lives. Um, in closing, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but what are some, you know, the business of sports is changing rapidly. You know, you got esports, you got sports betting, right. VR, all these digital media companies coming out. Mm-hmm. Work. What are some things as athletes we should look for kind of to take advantage from a brand perspective? You know, as a frugal athlete, we're always trying to figure out different ways to create um multiple income streams, Mm -hmm. uh, passive income and uh, opportunities that will help us long after our careers are over. So I think the, well, this, this is a kind of like a trend that's already happening, obviously as athletes as creators, but I think taking that content creation to the next level by actually pitching this content to a brand, for instance, what Katie's doing with Alaska airlines, and how he's going to the different uh, hometowns of different basketball players and interviewing them in that space, just because, you know, these brands just have a a bigger reach and they have some marketing, you know, dollars to kind of support some of this content creation. So I think, you know, not just, you know, pushing out content for the sake of pushing out content, but definitely being super strategic about, you know, what the content is, who you want to get in front of and who you really want to partner with or like the trends that I'm actually seeing. Um, Obviously, esports is huge, and it's such a convoluted business model to me personally that I haven't even really figured it out. I'm not a gamer myself, so I don't really fully understand (laughs) it yet, but obviously, it's big business. I know Philadelphia Sports Complex, they just um, are going to have an esports arena that's like worth $50 million project. So obviously, you know, there's business in esports. Now, how does an athlete leverage that right now? Not quite sure. I feel like it needs to to be a little bit more succinct for me to really, like, put a prediction on it. Um, same thing with, like, gambling, too. Like, you know, there's so many different states are now legalizing sports betting. It's kind of like how does the athlete really align themselves with that, but then at the same time not, you know, breaking any breaking yeah, any like pl- yeah breaking any like um laws for one and then also <laughs> their player um the association the league so it's it's kind of like like I said it's just like it seems like a lot of these new trends are kind of like the wild wild west almost because there's not a really good handle on it and there's no like real regulation and like players um associations and leagues are kind of like not quite sure either so there's not like concrete rules in place so like it's just like a lot going on um, in terms of some of these, you know, these new initiatives. I will say, though, that um, funny that you asked about trends. Um, I recently read the Detroit sports industry lineup, and they kind of produce, like, trends to be ex- expected and disrupted and dominate in 2019. And all of the ones you mentioned, as well as um, mental health, 
kind of using oh, athletes. Yeah, yeah kind of using, you know, you know, Kevin Love came up with an article for Players Tribune just about his personal struggles with mental health. So really kind of using athletes to kind of destigmatize some of the, um, some of the, like, you know, I don't even know what to say, but just kind of helping them to kind of propel that, you know, taking care of your mental health is super important and it can really impact anybody, especially athletes who people just think are superheroes and don't ever experience any regular, you know, human issues or emotions or things like that. So I think um, really leveraging the humanization of athletes um, is something I actually see, you know, being a trend and starting with uh, mental health. But that kind of goes to like, you know, content creation and storytelling and and athletes not needing, um, you know, ESPN to really write their story for them, them being able to really go to their their fan base and tell their their story themselves. So I think that's going to continue. And in that continuing, I think it's going to be a little bit more strategic and we're going to see a lot more authentic partnerships developed based on that. Oh no! Thank you so much uh, for sharing um, your your insights on the future of sports business yep. uh, from an athlete perspective. Um, like you said, it's ever changing, uh, but I, I think as athletes start to open up uh, more and you know be more confident with their content creation abilities, uh, we're going to see more uh, more segments like Kevin Durant's flyby series, like Kyle Hines. Um, documentaries and different things so um as i let you go we we usually end these interviews with quick hits yep so just like <laughs> typical rapid fire um but we're kind of change it up obviously this is a, a frugal athlete podcast we usually stick to financial things but um as you pointed out throughout the whole podcast which we really appreciate you know increasing your brand mm-hmm. um, can do a whole lot right uh, monetary wise career wise um, so yeah, let's get started with these questions. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Facebook or YouTube? Ooh, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, uh, there might be a little bit of personal bias in here, but I'm going to say YouTube. Okay. Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Instagram. Okay. Blog or podcast? Ah, podcast. podcast. Okay. Best campaign you've done to date? Oh, best campaign we've done to date. Oh, that's a great question. It would have to be just a kid from Sickerville uh, promoting Kyle's docuseries. Perfect. Uh, dream client you'd love to represent? Ooh. Oh, this is, oh, you know, honestly, Tyrod Taylor. That would be my dream client. Oh uh, yeah, he got a good brand. Yes, yes, lie. he has a great brand. <laughs> he got a good brand. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. You got a fashion, he right? A, exactly. A, yep. Got... Okay. Um, ooh, I gotta get one more. Okay. Um, last one, last one. I swear. Here we go. They're supposed to be quick hits, but then uh, you caught me off guard with that question. Yeah, Tyra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What's one thing you would change from the athlete representation space? Um, One thing I would change would be intent. Um, I wish, you know, more people were really trying to empower the athlete rather than creating, um, creating like a, a need for the athlete representation. 
Um, and I, I kind of wish to piggyback off of that too, is just have a authentic and genuine approach to, to representing an athlete. Um, you know, they have a negative connotation around athlete representation that it's, you know, shysty. I, I, my dream would for it to be really about the athlete and really trying to help the athlete with his career, both on and off the field or her career, both on and off the field. Respect. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Tiffany. Uh, this is a great conversation. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, yes. So my, we have an Instagram elite eight. So E L I T E the number eight M K T G on Instagram. Um, our website is elite8.com, E-L-I-T-E-M-K-T-G.com. And then I can be found personally. If anybody wants to email me any questions the athlete has, I'm more than willing to answer, um, provide a free consultation as well. And you can email me at Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, at elite, E-L-I-T-E, the number eight, M-K-T-G.com. No, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate this. Uh, enjoy, enjoy your time, and uh, we'll definitely be connecting soon. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. No, uh, no doubt. Right. Have a good day. Right. Bye bye.